pray together. What an incredible privilege to just be called your people on a day like this as we gather and pause not only here but all around the world as we stop to remember that all of what we have received has been given and given at great price. And so we come to remember and honour our Saviour today, Jesus. Amen. Um, In my estimation, there are three different types of people in this world. And two of them are as common as flowers in the spring. And one of them are rare. Um, the first of those people have exceptional talent, but no imagination, and therefore as dull as a karma uh, Kmart butter knife. Right? They've got all all the talent in the world, but no imagination. That's the first type. The second type of person, well, they are empty of talent but have imagination enough to paint the sky from horizon to horizon and back again. And therefore, they are all promise and no substance, much like a federal politician. (laughs) But the third person, the third person, these are the, the rare gems of this world. Um, They hold complementary levels of both talent and imagination. And I think these are the sorts of people that can actually shape cultures and shape worlds. I think that the chief of men and women such as this went by the name of J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, a man that had immense talent and immense imagination. I would say an almost peerless writer. Um, He had an incredibly skilled pen, but it was fueled by an unmatched imagination that outlives his body, which has long since turned to dust, right? Tolkien wrote epic tales... And they're woven in and about with a much deeper and older story than his. I think few people have matched his ability to allow the the grandeur of that old story, the true story, to shape the, the stories that he told. Towards the end of the Lord of the Rings, which is probably his most um, well-recognised work, Tolkien tells a story of two short-statured friends who were small in the eyes of most, but were giants in the estimation of the wise. And they were weighed down with a, a great task to which 
the future of the world rested on their shoulders with. Right? For those of you who might be familiar with it, Frodo was tasked with carrying the ring to its only place of destruction. And the entire future of his world and all others rested on this task being completed. And as such, he needed a faithful friend. And that faithful friend was Sam. And as Frodo and Sam drew closer to their destination, deep in the poisoned lands of Mordor, that were filled with you know, poisonous smoke and steam and countless challenges and enemies. Um, every step that they had to take was a battle. Every breath that they had to take felt like a victory to them. And at the end of what they imagined must have been a day because it was so dark, it was hard to tell day from night, Frodo falls exhausted needing sleep, and Sam, his ever-faithful friend, sits down beside him to keep watch. Tolkien tells the story that Sam, in that moment, looked up, and for a brief moment, the clouds parted, and he saw, just for a moment, a single star twinkling, and quickly as it opened, the clouds closed again. Tolkien then spends some time following Sam's thought process about this star. His um, feelings that he had of smallness and of insignificance. His feelings of the fears that he had for failure, of disappointment. And, and the temptation that he felt to just simply lie down and give up. But at the end of his wandering thoughts came this conclusion. I'm going to quote Tolkien from the book. It says, The thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. I think that that quote and the scene that it describes is one of the little gospel threads that Tolkien weaves in amongst his writing. You see, Sam had concluded under the masterful pen of Tolkien that although the shadow was all that he could see, that far above it, untouched, by its oppression and untouched by the darkness, there existed a pure and beautiful light. And so with his eyes turned to that new perspective, Sam could see that the shadow that enveloped him and Frodo and, and all else about him was just a, in his words, small and passing thing. A small and passing thing an inconsequential inconvenience that would soon pass away. I think it's a wonderful tale. I, I love reading it. But it isn't the story I want you to remember this morning. 
You see, we have, and we celebrate this morning, a better story than Tolkien could have ever written. A better story because it's a true story. And it's a story about Jesus. So I want you just to, for a moment, we've, we've got the lights low this morning, it's a little bit gloomy in here, that's on purpose. I want you to lift your eyes for a moment from the gloom and from the shadow that Good Friday appears to be. The saviour of the world, dead. But I want you to lift your eyes from that shadow for a moment and see the high beauty that's there. Here's a conversation that Jesus had with his friends not long before the events that we're celebrating today on Good Friday, the very first Good Friday. I'm fairly certain, though, that on that Friday, there was not one person left alive at sunset that would have called it good. Here's the conversation that Jesus had with his friends. It's found in John chapter 16. I'm going to read it to you from verse 16. If you have a Bible, feel free to follow along. Otherwise, just listen. John 16, verse 16. Jesus said to his friends, A little while, and you'll see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us, A little while, and you'll not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I mean by saying, A little while and you will not see me. And then a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away that joy from you. Amen. All right? Did you see the thread that Tolkien borrowed from that true story to weave into his? Jesus knew that the darkness and oppression of Friday would overwhelm his followers and friends. And so he asked them to raise their eyes and find the twinkling star, as it were. Verse 20 of that passage I read to you, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep. You will lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will turn into joy. Right? The darkness of Friday, Good Friday, 
has to occur. It has to. The wages of sin had to be paid. They had to be paid in full. And they demand a heavy price. The cross, this cross that symbolises the one that Jesus hung on, it was a, a vicious and horrible reality that was in fact a necessity. The, the brutal slaying of the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, it was required. And Jesus would be hidden from sight into the tomb. He would be wrapped in a cloth, just as we heard read out to us, just as he had been at his birth. And then entombed behind a stone. Right? Jesus had to die. He had to die. Remember what he said? You will be sorrowful, but, but, your sorrow will turn to joy. So we've had Tolkien, and we've got Jesus, but what Jesus was leading us towards was joy. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's think about joy for a moment. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... This is the right of the Hebrews speaking to us today. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to where? Looking to Jesus, right? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Right? Make no mistake about it. The cross was something that Jesus had to endure. It wasn't an easy thing. It's why, it's why the descriptions are there of, of Jesus falling to his knees and crying his soul crushed within him in those final hours, realizing what it was that he was about to go into, what it was that he had to endure, to call out to the Father, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He knew what he had to be done. And he knew that the price was heavy. Our salvation was not cheap. It's not cheap. Here's the good news of the gospel. By grace, through faith, salvation is free this morning to you and I. It's free. But it costs Jesus everything to supply that. Why did he do it? Why did Jesus endure such horror, such torment, such torture, such pain, such separation. Why did Jesus do it? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Right? 
It was joy. Good Friday is actually good because it's about joy. It doesn't appear that way, does it? It's very easy to think on Friday a little bit like Sam did when he was watching over Frodo. All he saw about him was the darkness and the gloom and the shadow and the, the trial and the, the hardship until he lifted his eyes and he saw that twinkling star and eventually he thought, there's a high beauty far above this shadow and the shadow cannot touch it. Jesus was surrounded by hardship and shadow and pain and darkness and yet in that moment, it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross for. The journey was filled with pain, was filled with torment. Right? The weight of the entire world's sin, including every person in this room this morning, rested on his shoulders. I'm not even worried about the weight of sin that you contributed to that right now. I know the weight of sin that I contributed and that's enough. Isaiah says he was crushed for our iniquity. Make no mistake about it, Jesus had to endure the cross. But the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul writes to the church, he writes to us this morning, he says, so we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. So what Tolkien called a small and passing thing, Paul calls this light, momentary affliction. It's Friday. It's Friday. Good Friday. Right? And the cross looms very large over the entire day. Death and destruction seem to have won the moment. But remember the words of Jesus when he said to his friends, you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross Dear friends, we don't lose heart this morning. We don't lose heart. I get it. Sometimes the darkness seems to have won the day. The shadow seems to have overcome on days like today. On Friday, Jesus dies and his body is put away. It's unseen, but that isn't the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. And maybe right now you're a place in your life where you just think, it all seems lost. I've tried so hard to sort this world out, to sort my life out. I've tried so hard to make things right and every time I, every time I try, I fail. 
This morning, I want you to hear that in Jesus alone, we don't lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self, though, is being renewed day by day in Jesus. Whatever it is that we're facing right now, Good Friday, it's a light momentary affliction. And it's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that has no comparison. So we look to the things that are seen. Right? We don't look to those. We look to the things that are unseen. The shadow is there, but we look up and we see that star. We, the shadow is there on Friday, but we look up and we see not a defeated Jesus, but a victorious Saviour. The things that are seen are transient. They, they come and they go, but the things that are unseen, they're eternal. Or as Tolkien put it, the thought that pierced him in the end is the shadow is only a small and passing thing. That there is light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. We're about to take communion together. We do this every week in this church. If you're visiting with us this morning, every week it's special. Every week it's an opportunity for followers of Jesus to come and take a piece of rice cracker or bread, a small cup of juice. There's nothing particularly special. We didn't get these from a special religious store. No priest prayed over it. They just probably came from Woolies. But in this moment, on any Sunday, as a church we gather, I'm going to ask you shortly, if you are a follower of Jesus, you know him. There's no other prerequisite to this. It doesn't have to be that you've you've pulled your socks up in this life and you've turned your life around and now you've got it all together. If that was the case, we'd all just remain seated. None of us do. You know what the prerequisite for this is? A person who said, I'm sitting in the shadows and I need Jesus. The prerequisite for this is for sinners to say, I need a saviour and that saviour is Jesus and I trust him. If you've done that, I want to invite you to come up and take some juice and take some bread and remember the price that was paid. To remember what occurred on Good Friday had to be endured because of your sin, because of our sin. But the shadow is just a light and momentary thing. That Jesus is not dead. Because the rest of his instruction was, take this bread, take this juice and remember until I come. He lives. He lives. We're going to come back here in a couple of days and we're going to sing about it and celebrate it and and get excited about it. But today's the day to sit in darkness for a little while and remember a price had to be paid. But it's just a passing shadow, friends. 
He is victorious. If you don't know Jesus yet, if you've never realized, I need a saviour, then why not make today the day? Why not right now? Just bow where you are. Get on your knees if you have to. But just come before Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I didn't realize. I'm so sorry. My, my sin is separated. I, I've been a rebel against what you've wanted. And so I come to you now, Jesus. I own you as Savior and Lord. I trust you. Thank you for the forgiveness that I can find in you. It doesn't have to even be those words. Just from your heart, tell Jesus you need him. And then if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, I invite you, come to the table. Jesus took the bread. He took the cup. He passed it to his followers just hours before the cross. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. In your own time, come forward, come together as family, as friends, walk with your children, explain to them, help them see the body and blood of Jesus. Pray together, give thanks to Jesus for the sacrifice that he made for you and remember him.